the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Patriot. WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul. FM 107.5. K298CO, Minneapolis. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Republican leaders are pushing back against the Biden administration's federal COVID-19 vaccine mandate. GOP officials in states including Florida, Alabama, and Arizona took steps to push back on the looming requirements for businesses with more than 100 employees to require workers to be vaccinated or tested regularly. Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, who is considered a potential 2024 presidential candidate, on Thursday requested a special session of the state legislature focused on combating the mandates after previously floating plans to sue the administration. The Alabama GOP also asked its state legislature Friday to take action against the vaccine requirements. Bernie Bennett reporting. A senior U.S. diplomat urging North Korea to stop missile tests and resume nuclear diplomacy after another test recently. This is SRN News. Dennis Prager votes on substance. President Trump was not deemed as an individually nice person. Uh, he, he did not act nice often. That is absolutely correct. However, uh, he was a great president. That is, and since I elect presidents, not nice people, that's all that mattered to me. People don't know how to assess leaders. They really don't. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at 11 on AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. October Regnery Book of the Month is debunking the 1619 Project, exposing the plan to divide America by Mary Graybar. According to the 1619 Project, the U.S. wasn't founded in 1776, but rather in 1619 with the introduction of slavery into the New World, thus American history is racist since its very formation. Register to win a copy of the book by signing up now at the Freedom Fan Club page at am1280thepatriot.com. Regnery Publishing is a division of Salem Media Group. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T-3, 2, 1. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is The Closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast we'd like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone calls. 651-289-4488. If you'd like to weigh in via Twitter, feel free to do so. Just use hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Hashtag NarnShow for any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. And by the way, I do have the live stream up and running at our Facebook page. Just go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network, and you can see the live stream, and I'm waving to the camera right now. So uh, it's another comment thread for you to uh, uh, to tune into. I was uh, I was just saying prior to the uh, broadcast, you know, when I do my Facebook Live video previewing the show, I said, boy, it feels like I was here just less than 24 hours ago. I was like, oh, wait, I was. Yeah, it was an <laughs> opportunity to fill in for Mitch Berg. Yesterday, uh, as the headliner edition of the Narn was away on assignment. So it's always fun to talk to Mitch's audience. I mean, we have listeners who cross the threshold of different shows and listen to all the shows, but we have our own unique listener set as well. So it was nice to uh, uh, check out those that particular audience. Now, I had the live stream up and going yesterday as well, and there was a uh, woman on the uh, in the comment section who didn't like uh, what I had to say about Trump because I haven't been speaking very favorably of Trump as of late. 
and she ended her diatribe telling me to grow a pair. So I don't know if that's just uh, she, <laughs> this person is unique to Mitch's audience or if she listens to my show as well. You know, you know what my favorite type of feedback is? Is the people who angrily take issue with the things you're saying on the air, yet also in the same breath they say, that's why I never listen to your show. Then how did you know what I said? Uh, I'm just saying. But I, I don't, I'll take all feedback. I don't get in a twist over criticism and personal attacks. I lose sleep over absolutely none of it. Because when you have to resort to personal attacks, it means you can't actually attack the substance of the argument I was making. So if you'd like to attack the substance of any arguments I'm making, again, 651-289-4488. That is the number to call. I've got a very guest-intensive show uh, but first guest won't be up until one thirty. So I have a couple of segments here to uh, talk about some issues within our culture. As you know, I like to be actively engaged in st- stories about the culture, and particularly where culture intersects with uh, politics. Uh, obviously, this being a politically driven show, um, that's uh, what I like to really opine upon. Uh, have you seen the Dave Chappelle uh, Netflix special, uh, The Closer? This has obviously been highly publicized because Dave Chappelle has been labeled a transphobe by the LGBTQ community because he made jokes about transgender people. Well, if you've been paying any attention to Dave Chappelle at all in the more than 20 years he's had a stand-up career, you know that it's pretty much no holds barred with Dave Chappelle. He's willing to go after anybody for any reason for the sake of a joke. But what I like about Dave Chappelle, a lot of his specials is, and this goes all all the way back to Chappelle's show, back when it was on Comedy Central in the early 2000s. He intertwines a message within his his comedy. Okay, he's got a a very uh, socially driven message that he wants to deliver, and he delivers it with comedy. And that's what, makes his shows so entertaining. And, you know, there are some things that he says that, you know, I may bristle at a little bit, you know, whether he says something about, uh, you know, conservatives or or people of the Christian faith or whatnot. I don't get offended, and I may take issue with it because there may be— because here's the thing, with the on the other end of the spectrum, you have comedians who make these social comments and people hit back— with an intellectual retort, and they kind of throw their hands up, you know, kind of the John Stewart defense. Well, wait a minute, I'm just a comedian. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm just having fun with this. But yeah, but you're also making social commentary too. And again, I don't take, there's never been a part of me that says, well, Dave Chappelle said something I didn't like, therefore he has to be banished from the airwaves and from making a living. I'll never be down with that. Even uh, some of the more vile comedians out there. I mean, you got, I mean, look at late night, TV talk shows, all of these hosts, whether it's Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or Seth Meyers or um, Trevor Noah on The Daily Show, James Corden, uh, Stephen Colbert, they're all leftists. And they don't even attempt comedy anymore. It's just leftist commentary. So I just choose not to watch. And there's not any part of me that says they need to be banished from the airwaves because, well, their god-awful ratings will probably decide that eventually. But I digress. So my point is... You've probably heard the kerfuffle with Netflix uh, employees organizing a walkout because Dave Chappelle's uh, latest special entitled, interestingly enough, The Closer. Uh, I can't help but like a, a, a be intrigued by a special with that name, right? Uh, they take issue with the fact that Netflix is still going to air it, despite its transphobic nature. And... To me, you know, I won't spoil it for you. Definitely check it out. It's not his best work, but I felt like he was kind of cutting open a vein and being a little more incisive than he has with a lot of his comedic specials. Now, there was one special he did in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder called 846, which was the time George Floyd's neck was under the knee of Officer Chauvin, 8 minutes, 46 seconds. And that was just... 30 minutes of social commentary, no attempt at comedy whatsoever. And so with that, okay, 
you could definitely give intellectual retorts and say where he's wrong in some of the statistics he was outlying. But this, this was a message that was intertwined with his comedy. But the message was very clear. He says, you know, he talks about this rapper, this hip-hop artist called The Baby. Have you ever heard of The Baby, Jacob? I hadn't, for whatever that's worth. So he talks about how this hip-hop artist once shot a, a guy dead in a Walmart. Again, I may have heard this story once upon a time, not terribly familiar with it. It was a, it was a black man. Shot a black man dead in a Walmart. And he says, you realize that the baby has gone on to be a world-renowned artist and has had his most success after shooting a black man dead? And yet, a guy can shoot a black man dead and have even more success than he had before then, but yet it's a national travesty to hurt a gay person's feelings or a transgender person's feelings. It's kind of, I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said. And, and that's what he's trying to get at. He's like, look, me being part of the African-American community, we've endured a lot of difficult moments in this country's history. And yet you're telling me that I'm being some sort of oppressor here that I'm being some sort of transphobe because, you know, I uh, I tell jokes about you know, the LGBTQ community. And, and it just doesn't square. And initially, the CEO of Netflix, or the co-CEO, uh, Ted Sarandos is his name, uh, he defended his company's uh, option to continue to allowing Dave Chappelle's special to be offered to streaming services. And in his internal message to his employees, he said he understood the concerns about Chappelle's jokes, mild as they as though they may have been, about transgenderism, but didn't think that the special crossed the line. And for some reason, you get many LGBTQ activists who say that even mild jokes about people in that community are unacceptable, given the... Uh, the, what they've had to endure over their lifetime of how they had to constantly live a secret life and couldn't integrate into normal society. And another point Dave Chappelle was making in this special, I promise I'm not going to spoil the whole thing for you, folks. These are just some key bullet points. But he said, you know, I just want to know how you all are doing it because you so people so much as look cross-eyed at your community and... People who do that are essentially canceled, banished from polite society. But then he goes back to, whereas a black man shot dead in a Walmart, hey, the guy who shot him dead, his career gets better. He says, I just want to know how you all are, you know, integrating in society like that, because we in the black community, we haven't we haven't figured that out yet. We don't have that same luxury. Now, you can agree or disagree with what Dave Chappelle is saying there, but that's that's his whole point in this special. And, again, he has fought for comedy. You have a lot of stand-up comedians, including Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart himself was essentially canceled from hosting, I think it was the Oscars, was the Grammys, one of the two. One of those major award shows. Kevin Hart was going to host it. But then they found out some jokes that he was making about the gay community in one of his stand-up acts, and it was essentially canceled. And And Dave Chappelle talked about that very thing. He said that broke Kevin Hart's heart. Because that was a dream of his, to finally host a show, get that worldwide recognition by hosting a show with the credibility of the, again, Oscars, Grammys. Don't remember which one. Doesn't matter. And yet, that was taken away from him. Because he he made these jokes. So, someone someone has made the point... Uh, and then, uh, yeah, Seth Dillon, he's the uh, CEO of the Babylon Bee. It's a satire website. But uh, he's got some good nuggets of wisdom on his Twitter feed. If you go to Seth Dillon, that's his Twitter handle, D-I-L-L-O-N, Seth Dillon. Uh, he makes a great point. He says, if you have both the will and the power to punish anyone who makes a joke at your expense, then you are the oppressor, not the oppressed. And that's spot on. It's like they're trying to wield some sort of power saying, well, because my feelings are hurt, because I feel triggered, 
Dave Chappelle should be canceled. And what? Where? Where? Where did it get? Where? Where did we get to in a, in, a, in a society where we feel that we don't have a right to be offended, that we should be able to go through life without without being offended, without having our personal feelings hurt? Now, to a certain extent, I get it because you have LGBTQ individuals working for Netflix in this very service is playing this special, which is deemed to be transphobic. But those people who are making comments about this special and the issues they're making about it, like George George Takei, who played Sulu on Star Trek, you know, a very well-known gay activist himself, talked about, wow, what kind of outrage would there have been had Dave Chappelle made uh, jokes about Jewish people? Yeah, because the Jewish people don't know anything about being oppressed or or, or uh, being having bigotry shown to them, right? Um, George, George, you do you do realize there was a very, um, shall we say, strong bit about the Jewish people in Dave Chappelle's special. You would know that if you watched it. So that's my point. If you are making comments like that, and are, the more outrage there is about the special. I feel is in inverse proportion to if to the chances that you've actually watched it. Because if you watched that special, you can't possibly t- your main takeaway from that cannot possibly be that Dave Chappelle is transphobic. I don't see how that's possible. Okay, and again, I watched it from beginning to end just a couple of weeks ago. Just I if nothing else wanted to see what the scuttle was about. And there was nothing in there that indicated Dave Chappelle was transphobic. Well, I talked about the co-CEO of Netflix. He's kind of backtracking uh, a little bit, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that next segment. And, hey, we're available to take your phone call, 651-289-4488. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back in mere moments. Go nowhere. Sightseeing in Paris, at the mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to AM 1280, The Patriot, at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Our culture continues to struggle to find its footing. Heritage Christian Academy's footing remains secure. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of all we do. Come see how a Bible-based academic education can support the values and teachings of your Christian home. Plan to attend Prospective Family Information Night on October 26th at 7 p.m. Staff will be on hand to provide information, answer questions, and conduct tours. RSVP at admissions at myhca.org. That's admissions at myhca.org. Hi again, this is Tim Oberg from the Kingdom Village Roofers. Hey, if we're paying attention, we can see that we live in a crazy and broken world. It's easy to look at all the turmoil and let fear start to creep in. But take heart, we know God is ultimately in control. In Isaiah 41.10, he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is saying, don't be afraid. He will not fail us. He is with us. He knows us by name, and he is working all these things out for our own good. I know that's sometimes tough to focus on when we're in the middle of trouble. It's been said that fear not is in the Bible 365 times. Whether that's accurate or not, Jesus said in Matthew 10:31, do not fear. Hearing it once from Jesus should be sufficient for us. Keep focused on him and his word and be encouraged. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us at thekingdombuilders.com. Fever is the leading symptom of COVID and the flu, and the only way to reliably detect fever is with an accurate thermometer. Be vigilant and be accurate with the Exergen Temporal Scanner, proven in more than 100 clinical studies. Don't rely on non-contact thermometers. They are proven to be inaccurate and will not reliably detect a fever that might mean COVID. Be sure to seek medical advice at the first sign of fever. Learn more at exergen.com. Take your favorite Patriot hosts with you wherever you go by downloading our app. Listen to your favorite shows, see our social media posts, enter exclusive contests, and more. Just search for AM1280 The Patriot in the App Store.
Hi, this is Al Malmberg inviting you to join us on the World of Aviation each Sunday morning at 10.05, right here on 1280 The Patriot, as we talk with those who have had incredible life stories in aviation, like Jessica Cox, who was born without arms, but went on to become a pilot and black belt in taekwondo, and Gordy Lewis, who began flying when most people are retiring. Gordy started flying at the age of 67. That's every Sunday at 10.05 a.m., right here on 1280 The Patriot. Two, one, two, three, four. Hey, welcome back. AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. It's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks so much for tuning in. 651-289-4488. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, I was talking about the Dave Chappelle Netflix special, The Closer, and how uh, dozens of employees orchestrated a walkout out of Netflix headquarters protesting that the streaming service is still allowing that special to be available for viewing. Uh, you you got to love how the mainstream media props that up, you know, like that's a, a you know, like it's the equivalent of the Million Man March, you know, dozens of pro- employees uh, walked out of Netflix headquarters. Yeah, they have about close to 10,000. So unless it was like, oh, I don't know, four or five hundred dozen, um, dozens really isn't a, a huge stand, I'd, I'd venture to say. But this is uh, a story that was uh, written by Kyle Smith at National Review uh, on Wednesday. Netflix C- uh, co-CEO Ted Sarandos had the right idea last week when he defended the streaming service's decision to air Dave Chappelle's stand-up special, The Closer. In internal messages to employees, he said he understood their concerns about Chappelle's mild jokes about transgenderism, but didn't think the special crossed a line. He dismissed the idea that Chappelle's words constituted or could reasonably be construed to incite violence. He said people had to learn to live with others who hold differing points of view. He said that Chappelle was a mainstay of Netflix who was extremely popular with viewers and that he didn't believe in censoring artists. Okay, so far, so good. So on Tuesday, Sarandos fed all of those entirely correct ideas into the shredder and begged the mob for forgiveness. It won't work. Does it ever? To be clear, he told the Wall Street Journal in a craven climb down late Tuesday, storytelling has an impact in the real world, sometimes quite negative. He said he, quote-unquote, screwed up when he sent the internal emails described above because what I should have led with in those emails was humanity. He added that I should have recognized the fact that a group of our employees was really hurting. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's not going to work because the only way that the mob will give you any kind of grace for what they deem wrong think is if you 100% capitulate to their ideas and their worldview. Otherwise, it's just it's it's not going to work. You know what 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 Ted Sarandos said, you know, at the outset is you know, essentially we shouldn't have any reasonable expectation to not be offended. That's that's what comedy is about. And again, Dave Chappelle was an equal opportunity offender. Watch the special. I'm telling you, if you have Netflix, watch The Closer. Uh, You know, I agree. Kyle Smith wrote a different piece. I may or may not have the uh, time to get to it in this segment. But he basically said, you know, it's not Dave Chappelle's best work he's ever done. But my perspective is that I thought it was brilliantly intertwining comedy with social commentary. And he wound up uh, the the stand-up special by talking about a uh, a close friendship that he developed with a trans man and how he's still impacting that trans man's family now that that person is no longer with us committed you know that person committed suicide and even that person's family says Dave Chappelle a transphobe no no that's no not even close i would think that if you're going to allow LGBTQ community to criticize Dave Chappelle, you ought to give equal time to those to same to same people in that same community who 
don't take issue with Dave Chappelle. And in fact, this trans man's family uh, and what they say about Dave Chappelle, because what's being said about him doesn't quite square with what this family believes. Uh, is Vincent still on the line with us? Okay, Vincent in St. Paul is on line one. Vincent, aloha. Aloha. Uh, I know we have, what do you call it, social media, and so people make comments, you know. But it was a little different when I was growing up in the 50s and 60s. I mean, some of the issues going on nowadays, we didn't have all that there at that time. But even in school growing up, you know, kids would talk to each other, you know, about their nationality or, you know, how you looked or whatever, you know. Sure. And I think we became more thick-skinned because of that. Right. Are people nowadays thick-skinned or are they just whips? Oh, that's the way I think. I'm sorry. Yeah, I appreciate that, Vincent. Uh, yeah, the way, the way I'd answer that is, you know, I – I come up from a perspective when I was in school, you know, I was one of the smaller kids in my class. I, you know, I talk famously about when I entered high school, the ninth grade, I was like five foot two and barely over a hundred pounds. I mean, I was just this, you know, this shrimp and I was sought out to be picked on because, you know, it was for kids did that for sport. They did bullying for sport. And of course they're going to pick the easy targets, which I was an easy target. So what I would say to that is if you're in an environment that you're required to show up, i.e. school, Okay, there is a difference. I think you should have some sort of expectation that you could be free of bullying and harassment when you're in school, when you're in your work workplace. I get that. But when it comes to a, a Netflix special, something you see on TV, you can avoid that and not watch it. Now, I get it. It's a little different for the employees of Netflix per se, but... Because they actually work for the company, it doesn't mean they partake in what the company broadcasts. Okay, so there is a way to to avoid that. And, you know, perhaps some of these people may be under pressure from the LGBT community outside of Netflix saying, how could you work for a company that allows that uh, that kind of material to, to be broadcast? Okay, and there, and there is an intellectual discourse that can be had. You know, talking talking about you know not censoring it because where 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 does the line get drawn? Because you know how many millions upon millions of Jewish people are there in this country, and they're still not made to feel safe in some areas where you would think they'd be feel safe. I mean, I talked about several stories last year in New York City where it seems like the Jewish people were being targeted specifically by by the their own government. You know, the mayor basically telling Jewish people, stop gathering for your synagogues while we're on the, under the shelter-in-place order, and this is your last warning. And basically welding fences shut so Jewish kids can't go play in their playground. But yet, uh, LGBTQ BLM Lives Matter, you know, BLM, that organization, basically have to run roughshod, do what they wanted to do. So there isn't an equal application. So... What I'm asking is where you draw the line here. But, yeah, I like I say, uh, I think to a certain extent, I, I agree with Vincent in that what we went through, I mean, Vincent's older than I am. I grew up in the, you know, my formative years was like the mid-70s to the late 80s when I was in from elementary school through high school. And Vincent talked about growing up in the 50s and 60s. So, you know, it was a little, a little different. But at the same time, yeah, it wasn't as... Uh, uh, shall we say, enforcing uh, the st- certain standard of, you know, not being bullied because you were afraid to, as you know, they call it, you, you know, the old saying, snitches get stitches. You know, you better not tell, a, you, you know, you better not tell any of the administrators what's going on here or you're going to get it even worse because the kids know where to track you down. They knew what bus you rode home and all that kind of stuff. And so that's, you know, so I, I never went to the teachers or the administrators or anything, but I got very good at, you know, taking different routes through school, going through different hallways and that sort of thing. So what I, my point was, I agree to a certain extent that helped you develop a thick skin and saying, if that's the worst that happens to me, great. At least I get through this day without being physically maimed, you know. But, yeah, it's it's definitely different now. And I think in schools we should have a reasonable expectation to be free of that 
bullying and harassment. And unfortunately, social media has only exacerbated um, that issue. But I would highly encourage you, if you uh, go to nationalreview.com and do a search for uh, author Kyle Smith, because he wrote a couple of very important pieces on this special. One about why Netflix's apology is a bad idea, and another one uh, talking about Dave Chappelle's special itself, and basically saying, hey, Dave Chappelle's not a transphobe. And again, watch The Closer on Netflix. If you come away with that, from that, saying Dave Chappelle's a transphobe, then we saw two totally different specials. That's all I can tell you. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. Me, Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back in mere moments. Catch up on the latest news and information affecting Minnesota's great outdoors with Outdoor News Radio. We talk hunting, fishing, and natural resources in the great state of Minnesota every Sunday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Joining me, Rob Jerisline, our guests like bow hunting expert Tony Peterson, professional anglers like Tackle Terry Tuma and Tim Lesmeister, and nature gurus like the bird chick Sharon Staitler. Join us for Outdoor News Radio every Sunday morning at 8 on our sister station, Freedom 1570. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're paying too much for your wireless service. Because Pure Talk gives you the exact same 5G coverage as one of those big carriers on the exact same network, but saves the average family over $800 a year. And Pure Talk doesn't lock you into an overpriced, unlimited data contract. Why pay for data you don't need? Instead, get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone and keep your number or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. So what are you waiting for? Start saving today. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code HALFOFF and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code HALFOFF. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Join Gene Sullivan each week on Where You Live, where he takes on... Uh, Gene, who do you take on anyway? Maniacal landlords, slippery renters, overbearing HOA boards, demanding homeowners. Oh, and the legislative lunacy brought on by local politicians wanting to fix everything for us. It's a common sense perspective on the news and stories that affect you the most, right where you live. Join Gene Sullivan every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on AM 1280, The Patriot. I noticed on my leg that I was getting some blue veins. My life was interrupted by constant itching. I didn't know what was wrong with my legs. I couldn't wear the shoes that I wanted to wear. For over 35 years, Vein Clinics of America has been the leader in the minimally invasive treatment of vein disease. Visible varicose veins and spider veins are much more than just a cosmetic problem. Often, they can be signs of a serious medical condition causing tired legs, pain, even blood clots. Vein Clinics of America gave my life back. I'm glad I went to Vein Clinics of America, and Vein Clinics of America works. I feel really confident in what I wear and feel cute every day. Thank you for giving me my legs back. At Vein Clinics of America, we can help get your legs back. Medicare and most insurances accepted. Learn more about your condition and treatment options. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation. Call 800-540-7500. 800-540-7500. That's 800-540-7500. Welcome back. AM 12, the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network and Lee Brad Carlson. Thanks so much for tuning in. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show for any comments or questions. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. Going to take a little transition, uh, talk about a a new book that has been recently released, and going to talk to the book's author, uh, William Damon, who is a professor of education at Stanford University, director of Stanford's Center for Adolescence, and senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. Again, we're uh, going to have him on to discuss his new book, A Round of Golf with My Father, The New Psychology of exploring your past to make peace with your present. So it is an honor to be joined uh, by the aforementioned William Damon. Uh, Mr. Damon, an honor to have you on the broadcast today, sir. How are you? Hi. Well, I'm delighted to be with you. So the book entitled A Round of Golf with My Father, The New Psychology of Exploring Your Past to Make Peace with Your Present. In uh, doing a little background 
uh, check on this uh, particular book, William Damon. Uh, this is actually a, uh, a mythical round of golf with your father, not an actual one. Um, very intriguing story. Uh, you lost contact with your father when you were very young, really never saw him at all throughout your life, yet were able to make peace with the fact that uh, uh, he had left you and your mother when you were at a very young age. If you want to just maybe kind of start expanding on a little bit on his background and how you came to this particular point. Sure. Uh, it took me a long time to figure all this out. And as it was actually my daughter that discovered late in my life, uh, when I was almost 60 years old, that my father actually had a life after he abandoned my mother and me. Uh, all I knew about him when I was young was that he was, quote, missing in World War II. Mm-hmm. I assume that mean, meant he was killed. Okay. He was in Germany as a soldier. But my daughter got interested in the story and because uh, the grandfather she never met and right. dug up a bunch of stuff online. And one of them was that he was a great golfer. That's probably the least important of all the things she found, but that was the one that hit me like a ton of bricks because uh, I love golf. I am very far from a great golfer. And I immediately thought, you know, how come this guy never showed up to teach me how to play the game? So I had a lot of resentment about that, and that was a trigger for a lot of things that I wanted to find out about him. And once I did the research, I found out that he actually had a pretty amazing career. Uh, He was dead at that point, but he raised a second family. I got to know his daughters. I got to know his younger sister. And I also went on the old golf course that he used to play on. Uh, One of my new cousins dug up a golf bag he had with a scorecard in it. And I actually did play the round of golf. My father wasn't there. That's the part that was imaginary. And uh, it was kind of a uh, healing, redeeming experience for me to go through all of this. The round of golf was kind of symbolic for all the other stuff I came up with. But the book is really about that. It's about how people can go back into their pasts if there are any mysteries that they want to clear up, if there are old resentments or regrets they have, or even if there are a lot of positive things that maybe you've kind of forgotten about. And start to bring it all forward and give you a sense of a better sense of who you are, how you got to be that way, and most importantly, how you can forge a purposeful, hopeful path to the future. Now, when your daughter first presented you with some of this information that she uh, found on your father, I mean, I would I would guess, William Damon, the initial emotions one might feel would be resentment. You know, how could this man leave us and start a whole nother family and completely leave us behind? I mean, was there, even though you were well, obviously well into your adult years, you had mentioned age 60, did that resentment initially brew up or did you go right to the intrigue and wanting to know more about uh, what your daughter had found? Both. Uh, and you're, you're right. I, waves of resentment uh, passed through my mind and, Interestingly, they were all focused on this golf thing. Of course, that was uh, irrational because there were lots of other things that I missed in not having a father. And my mother, too, she was badly hurt by that. But I also, at that time in my life, I also was, I knew who I was and I was pretty well settled. And so I also just found it fascinating going back into archives, digging up the history, meeting some of his friends who were still alive, who were at that point were in their 80s or 90s. And so it it was a mixed bunch of feelings. Uh, and I would say the resentments and regrets, I'm glad I acknowledged them. I think I'd been living with them most of my life, to be honest with you, but I was denying them. And it's much better to confront the stuff that is bothering you rather than just kind of try to bury it. Uh, But the other part of the mixture was it's just amazing. I I write about this in the book about how amazing it is to actually find out about your past and your ancestors' past and figure out who these people were that influenced you and raised you. And, of course, I had an extreme example of not knowing anything about it. But, you know, since the book has come out, a lot of people have written me saying, gee, you know, I've got stuff that I never understood that, uh, you know, that it, it... Maybe it's time for me to do a little bit of a what I call in the book life review, uh, because it 
it can it's a, your past is a resource it's something that's there that you can learn from and as i said you can bring it all forward to help you have a purposeful future now you would you alluded to how your daughter, while uh, decided to do some research on the grandfather that she never knew when she was a younger person, did she ask a lot of questions? And were you, and given what you knew, you assumed that he had uh, uh, perished in combat in World War II, and there was really nothing more to, to share. But did she ask a lot of questions as a as a younger person? Not, not when she was young, because she got the message which I had gotten from my mother, who was her grandmother, sure. uh, who, who who had died by the time my daughter was older and did the research. But my mother just kind of emanated a sense that we don't talk about this. Okay. And uh, she obviously was hurt very badly. She did not want to deal with it. I had maybe a one-minute conversation with her in my entire life with her, uh, and that was it. And she was so uncomfortable with that. So there was this bubble of ignorance that uh, we all grew up with. And my daughter penetrated that, and then that got me started. And I did five years of research all over the world because uh, he was in the Foreign Service. He was in England, in Thailand, in Germany. And I reconstructed his life, which was quite amazing. Uh, he got to know the king and queen of Thailand very well. He was uh, in Germany running small towns right after World War II to uh, bring democratic people uh, into the government, uh, replacing the Nazis that were there. And he did a lot of brave and uh, courageous things that I ended up admiring, which, again, was a very, very redeeming uh, experience for me to have about who this guy was that was my father. And and, that, and that's all fantastic, and and certainly a, a sense of pride in what your, your father had done. And obviously, hearing the the stories about uh, you know kind of how your backgrounds kind of mirrored each other. You talked about some of the same schools you attended, your passion for golf, even though you've alluded to how you may not have been quite the golfer he was. But it's with all true. yeah, but with all that being said, there still had to have been. Uh, a curiosity as to how could a man who has a wife and a son back home in the States just up and abandoned him. You alluded to the fact that you did eventually meet your half-siblings. Did they ever shed any insight on this for you, William Damon? Did your father ever talk to them about a family he previously had? I mean, what was, as far as they knew, what was his previous background? So they they knew virtually nothing about his World War II service, which I found oh, interesting. Oh, wow, okay. So he obliterated that part of his life, and one of them had heard about me from his younger, my father's younger sister, my aunt, and they asked him at once over the dinner table, what about this William? And he apparently slammed his fist down the table and said, we do not talk about William here. Oh, my God. So, so this was a part, and this is a part I do not absolve him from. He, this was the irresponsible part that mm -hmm. he just ran away from this. He was very young. He was a young soldier, maybe 20, 21 years old. And what I did in the book was I reconstructed his life in Germany at the end of the war. And I actually came up with some diary accounts of people that knew him then. And I decided that my, of course, it's speculation, but based on some pretty good evidence, that he was a young guy that came from a small town. He was in Europe. It was a whole different world to him. Uh, he had a wife and a, and a little infant baby that it was a responsibility he did not obviously want to get involved in. And I think he was just kind of an irresponsible guy at that point. Later, he was to become much more mature. That was probably because of his Army service, I think. Sure. And he developed the maturity to have a family and a decent career, a very, in fact, a very impressive career. But I think the early part of his life, he, that was not his character. He was not of mature character formation at that point. And I think his response to that was just to try to run away from it and forget about it and bury it. And that's unfortunate. And I don't, uh, I don't, I, I think I came to the point where I could forgive him uh, largely, but I don't totally absolve him from that, uh, from that abandonment that he tried to forget all about later in his life. Yeah, no, no question. I, I, 
I can ascertain from the title of the book, uh, specifically the second half, uh, The New Psychology of Exploring Your Past to Make Peace with Your Present, in that uh, this is obviously your personal anecdotes, but could certainly be utilized by anybody reading this book to help them, you know, reconcile part of their past that they may not be ashamed of, or they may be ashamed of, may be confused by, and and make peace with their present. But uh, in listening to you talk, William Damon, I have to I have to imagine this was probably a very much a cathartic experience for yourself, trying to absolve everything that you uh, endured well into your adulthood. It, it was. Uh, I had lots of emotions when I went back to do this, uh, and of course, everybody has regrets, uh, makes mistakes, if things don't work out the way they want them to in life. And so I think this was a familiar journey I took in in doing this. And, uh, of course, the round of golf uh, is symbolic. That was was a one-time experience that I did have this kind of bonding, redeeming experience. But in everything I did, when I found his old school records, when I talked to his colleagues uh, back who knew him back in post-war Germany, everything I did in building a picture of this man contributed to my feeling a sense of redemption uh, and getting past uh, my, first of all, my ignorance about what happened to him, but also getting past the, uh, any, of the, any of the bitterness or resentments I had and getting to the point where I mean, there were two. There are two messages in the book about about this. One is that if you can get to the point where you can forgive somebody, uh, it's not just that you're doing them a favor; you're doing yourself a favor. Oh, no question. It, yep. Yeah, and and that leads you to a sense of gratitude for the life you have been given. And it, everybody's got problems, has had issues in their lives that are difficult. But if you've gotten to the point where you actually feel a sense of affirmation about your life and a sense that, well, you know, I've had a pretty good run and I have, I have a positive future to look forward to. You can feel a lot of gratitude for that. And that is a blessing to be able to feel gratitude for the life that you've been given. And this was a, this was a route to do that. This was a way to make use of my past and my father's past and, and my mother too plays a role in it uh, as, as a way that I could get myself there past uh, past the sense that uh, well things did not work out early in my life in a, in an easy way for me. So, do you have uh, a a good relationship, a solid relationship now with your? Uh, how many half siblings do you have, uh, William Damon? And is there a good functional relationship with them now? There is. I, I've got. I have two, two, okay. uh, wonder, two wonderful half sisters. Uh, they're a bit younger than me, but we've become close and visited. And I got to know my father's younger sister, my aunt, who uh, passed away about a year ago. But we became for about seven or eight years very close. And her two sons, who are terrific uh, guys that uh, I spend a lot of time with, so. I grew up as an only child uh, with a mother uh, in, in, in not very fortunate circumstances, right. but now I have, uh, and my mother was an excellent caregiver, so I have no complaints about that. Uh, she was great, uh, but under difficult circumstances. But now I have a family, uh, so that was another benefit that I got by exploring all this. I have, I have sibling, half siblings, I have cousins, uh, and that's been a lot of fun. So a lot of this has been actually fun, it, it not not just an emotional trip, but also it's been really fascinating and enjoyable. Well, William Damon, I, I appreciate your time today, sir. Thank you so much. I've appreciated you sharing uh, again your personal story. With us, again, the book entitled A Round of Golf with My Father, The New Psychology of Exploring Your Past to Make Peace with Your Present. Uh, William Damon, I imagine you can get this book uh, pretty much at normal uh, channels, Amazon.com, where you find your favorite uh, books, that sort of, those sort of venues? That's right. Amazon's probably the easiest place to get it, and it's available on, in, on Kindle as well as in hardback. And bookstores are, are carrying it. Uh, you can always ask your bookstore to order it, too. So any of those ways. The book is out. It's been out for a little while, a month or so, and it's okay. available. And I think people uh, might relate to it in, in, in their own ways because a lot of us, a lot of people have, have something in their, in their past that uh, it's very helpful to clear up. Oh, 100%. Uh, William Damon, again, thank you so much for your time today, sir. Uh, best of luck uh, going forward and have a, a great rest of the weekend, sir. We appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. One final segment coming up this hour. Go nowhere.
AM 1280, The Patriot. Salmon fishing in Alaska at an amusement park in Green Bay or taking a stroll through Loring Park. We're where you are. Stream AM 1280, The Patriot at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Dr. Gorka here, and I want to talk to you for a minute about 100% drug-free Relief Factor. I've been taking Relief Factor for years now to help me deal with pain in my body. My wife takes it as well. The reason we tell everyone uh, we know about it is simple. We found it really works to help our bodies fight off the inflammation that causes aches and pains. Whether it's the pain of injuries you've sustained or just the natural pains from the mileage over the years, Relief Factor can help. I've never looked back. Almost 70 percent of the more than half a million people who have tried relief factor end up ordering more that's because it works for them the way it works for me isn't it time for you to get out of pain your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only 19.95 go to relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief to find out more about this offer that's relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief feel the difference you can listen to AM 1280 The Patriot on all Amazon Echo devices. Simply ask Alexa to play The Patriot Minneapolis, and you'll hear your favorite hosts. This is Dennis Prager, and thanks for listening to me on your Alexa device. Have you recently received a quote for an exterior home improvement project that was so high it made you seriously consider selling the house instead? In today's market, it's more important than ever to get multiple bids to make sure you're getting the best possible prices on any investment in your home. I'm Ryan with my three quotes. Not only can I provide you the most competitive bids in the Twin Cities for free, but I can guarantee it will be the quickest and easiest way to get them. Whether you need siding, roofing, or windows, I will personally come to your house for a short meeting so we can determine which name brands make the most sense for you and your house. And I'm all about multiple options, so you can have a variety of price points to choose from. A few days later, you'll receive an email from me with the bids attached. I've done the homework on brands and contractors, so you don't have to. It's that simple. No salespeople, no pressure, and no obligation to buy. To set up one short meeting with me, visit GetMy3Quotes.com. That's the number three, GetMy3Quotes.com. Are you the principal or leader of a Christian or Catholic school? Would you like to fill the empty seats in your classrooms for no cash out of pocket? TwinCitiesTuitions.com would like to team up with you on our tuition program for first-year students. You'll be part of a marketing campaign to raise awareness about your school and gain new students for next year and beyond. Again, at no cash investment for your school. Get details by logging on to TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Hey, welcome back. AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. One final short segment this hour, 651-289-4488. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show for any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Like I say, it's just a short segment here, so I suppose I should be quick. Uh, The World Series matchup is set. The Atlanta Braves will be taking on the Houston Astros. Uh, I it looked. I'll tell you what. It looked destined to be a uh, another Dodgers uh, Red Sox World Series, similar to what we saw three years ago. Now I was kind of hoping for a rematch of Astros Dodgers, because of course the 2017 series where the Houston Astros defeated the LA Dodgers, it was later ascertained that the Astros uh, used signals uh, to uh, steal the signs. Basically, they used like center field camera and then relayed signals to the pitcher by banging on a trash can down near their dugout to kind of tip off their hitters what the pitcher was going to throw. Uh, and a lot of people feel that the Dodgers were hosed out of a World Series that year, and I would I would have loved to have seen that World Series. Well, it's not going to happen. It will be the Houston Astros, but the Atlanta Braves uh, defeated the L.A. Dodgers in six games. Game six was last night. And, you know, I don't know if this is unique to Twins fans or not, but I, I see a lot of it because while I'm a Twins fan, I follow Twins Twitter. Every time a former Twin does something well with another team, it's like, oh, we didn't need him. 
Look at that. Look at how well he's playing. Yeah, we didn't need him. We were smart to get rid of him. Cheap pull ads. You know, those sort of lazy, moronic chanting points. And I, Eddie, and with Eddie Rosario, it was the worst because the Twins, after the 2020 season, didn't tender him a contract. Now, he wasn't a free agent yet, okay? So it wasn't like, you know, the Twins could – I think the tender offer was $10 million. Well, the Twins didn't want to tender him the $10 million, so they put him through waivers. He passed through waivers and therefore became a free agent. Now, I wish the Twins would have maybe tried to sign him at a lower salary, but they chose not to. It turns out the Cleveland Indians picked him up, and he did nothing with the Cleveland Indians this regular season. Nothing. The Indians traded him for Pablo Sandoval. Okay, when's the last time Pablo Sandoval was re- was relevant? So the Indians traded him, Eddie Rosario, to the Braves for Pablo Sandoval. Pablo Sandoval did nothing. So the Indians cut him. So the Indians basically gave away Eddie Rosario. And he has this unbelievable LCS where he hit like 560 and single-handedly helped the Braves win like two or three of those games. And my thi- I got so sick and tired of saying, well, you know, cheap pull ads, couldn't even sign Eddie Rosario. Good thing we got Jake Cave. Well, the reason they let Eddie Rosario go is because they had a young guy by the name of Alex Kirloff who came up in the postseason in 2020 and actually looked good in the postseason, the short postseason run the Twins had in 2020. And they figured this is a guy that's our long-term solution in left field. And Kirloff was having a terrific season for the Twins until he got hurt. So you know what? I finally had enough. I finally went on Twitter and I said, yep, the Twins, they finished in last place in the American League Central Division. But doggone it, if they'd have just re-signed Eddie Rosario, Byron Buxton, Alex Kirloff, Mitch Garver, Josh Donaldson wouldn't have got hurt. The pitching staff would not have suffered from ineffectiveness or injuries. And boom, they'd have been legit World Series contenders, but cheap pull ads. Am I doing this right? Is, it, is that how it's going to go? Look, the bottom line is Eddie Rosario would not have made a bit of difference for a team that finished last in the American League Central. What Eddie Rosario is doing is phenomenal. We should enjoy it. It's lightning in a bottle. But if you think this is going to be a second coming of David Ortiz, um, I got some swampland in Florida, I got to sell you, uh, or an election legislation out of Georgia, more like. And by the way, the World Series is going to be Georgia and Texas. How are they going to hold a World Series where they have voter suppression and evil anti-abortion laws in those respective states? Hmm. How are they going to wiggle out of that one? I have no idea. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming back in mere moments. Go nowhere. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. You know that little ding? It don't mean a thing at Appliance Renew. Hi, this is Michael, owner of Appliance Renew. We carry over 250 brand new scratch dent appliances from all major brands up to 50% off. If you need to replace one appliance or the whole set, check out all our brand new scratch and dent appliances, microwaves, stoves, refrigerators, dishwashers, along with washers and dryers from all the major brands. At Appliance Renew, value is our motto and scratch and ding is our passion. With over 20 years experience in the appliance industry, finding your next appliance is only a short drive to our Farmington showroom. If you're looking to buy one appliance or the whole kitchen set, Appliance Renew has a choice for you. Our inventory may have a scratch or a little ding, but we back it with our 20-point inspection. Visit the store or check us out online at ApplianceRenew.com. Our inventory changes daily online at ApplianceRenew.com. You know that little ding? It don't mean a thing at Appliance Renew. Arby's Computer Service. 
You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own, whether it's for your personal system or business. Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. Celebrating two decades on air. This is AM 12A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.